In this episode, we talk SUVs and crossovers, Michael buys a new Lexus, and I start my own search. Welcome to the Lexus Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Kevin Watts. I'm the founder of Lexus Enthusiast, and joining me, as always, is Michael Pannone. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Good. Two weeks since our last podcast. It's been going really well. I I really enjoy it. I really enjoy recording it. Me too. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, actually. I like these are topics that I know you and I can kind of go on and on about, and I don't really have anybody else to talk about these things to aside from you, so <laughs> it's perfect. Well, I got to tell you, 14 years running Lexus Enthusiast, my wife, she's a champ, but, you know, at a certain point, she's just like, oh, do I really have to hear about another like 2007 LS? Do I really have to? <laughs> do we really have to talk about this leak? Do we really yeah. have to talk about this? So it's you know like really honestly, it's been really great that way because as you said, I don't have any friends really that are into cars mm-hmm. personally, and definitely not focused purely on Lexus like I am. And by right. friends, I mean of course, I mean IRL friends, right? <laughs> yeah so it's been going really well people are really seem to be really into it the uh, the downloads have been great i agree it's been really fun and i mean one of the cool things is obviously like we can chat and go back and forth about a lot of the same stuff on the forum but it's just a lot more fluid to be able to talk about it here yeah and it looks like we're going to have uh, some guests coming up in the future now and you know we wanted to just start off just me and michael kind of get into our own groove with it so it looks like we'll probably have a guest next podcast yep but yeah it's it's been a little bit quieter not as much lexus news coming out right now but there was something just last week really exciting the uh, announcement of a new three-row SUV that's going to be built in Indiana. I'm just going to read right off of the press release. It says Toyota announced a $803 million investment and 1,400 new jobs at the Indiana auto manufacturing plant in preparation to introduce two all-new three-row SUVs designed with the active Gen Y American family (laughs) in mind. (laughs) Only one will bear the Toyota name. The other will officially introduce the Lexus line to Toyota Indiana. So all-new three-row SUV. And, you know, the way that we are, we've already pretty much figured out what it's going to be we think i don't mm-hmm. want to say 100 percent, right but uh we're we're feeling pretty confident about this uh this tx we don't really know what it's going to be you're the one that wrote that story and kind of came to that conclusion yeah so i will say too i, I mean i'm with you i definitely think it's going to be the tx the really fun part of this has been when we posted the story on social the comments and honestly people going back and forth with speculation has been really fun like we've heard everything from a new lx to a new GX to the LF1. Very few people are actually on this TX bandwagon. Mm. And uh, I think that's definitely what it's going to be. And there's a couple reasons why. So last year when they trademarked a couple things for the new RX, it was uh, RX 500H. And then with RX 500H, they trademarked TX 350 and TX 500H. Right. So I could obviously be wrong, but it seems like those trademarks are kind of booked together probably for a reason. And so if you kind of work back, it's no surprise that like a true three row Lexus crossover is something that they've wanted for a long time. And Lexus knows that they've seeded a 
lot of territory in this segment to Acura and to Infinity and others. So then we got the RXL, which I know we weren't exactly expecting. <laughs> and then I think we heard a couple of things about it and it showed up for that. I think that car has more been a little bit of like a stopgap solution. Oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. the third row is barely usable. Mm-hmm. And when I was at the Lexus dealership last weekend, which we'll get to more later, yes. I was talking to a couple of the salespeople about it. And they said that most interestingly, the people who are buying the RXL are actually not people with kids. It's people who just want the couple extra inches of storage room. Like they're yeah, just the keeping back. the third row folded flat. Right. And they're just using like the extra whatever it is, seven or eight inches of storage. So anyway, when you look at it, the RXL hasn't really you know landed the right way. We're in a market that's crazy for SUVs. This segment is wide open for Lexus. Right. And then I think when you also look at the timing of trademarking it with RX, I feel like they probably made this decision. OK, let's let the RX be the RX, do what it's good at, and let's just go ahead and create a new dedicated three row model. So that was my thought. And then the other interesting thing was Toyota trademark Grand Highlander right around the same time. And there's been a lot of back and forth about the Highlander not being quite big enough. And I know that similar to the RXL, which is a person who's like an empty nester or has like one or two kids and only wants the third row if they need it. So they're not trying to buy something as big as like a Chevrolet Traverse or something. But on the flip side, they're kind of losing that customer who really does need the extra third row and that person's going elsewhere. You know, now that we're in the TNGA era and we have these flexible platforms that make things like this so much easier, I don't know if they're going to take TNGAK or use the Sienna version of it, but stretch the Highlander a little bit, a larger third row with a little more storage space. That's probably going to be Grand Highlander. I assume the TX and the Grand Highlander will probably be on that same platform. With that, in Indiana, they build, they already build the Highlander, correct? Yep, that's another big piece of the puzzle. When we saw that, and, and there they build what the Highlander, the Sequoia, and the Sienna. So, right. And I did see a couple of people saying, oh, it's going to be the Lexus version of the Sequoia. When you read the press release, it specifically says all two new. all new models. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and of course, like a Lexus Sequoia would be an all new model, but we're also just about to get a new LX. So, I can't see them building the LX considering the prestige of it, considering it as a flagship model. I can't see them building it outside of Japan, regardless of the shape that it takes. Agreed. The interesting thing about this whole Grand Highlander, the RX, and now this TX is I don't necessarily think that Lexus is going to copy the Toyota lineup Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, having a Highlander, a Grand Highlander, and then a Sequoia. Mm Mm-hmm. I have to think that instead of having like a variant like they've had with the RXL, I share your feeling in terms of the RXL. I can't see anyone buying it for that third row. I think mostly for people who want a little bit more extra space. There is a huge difference between the way that a Highlander drives and the way that, say, a GX drives. Oh, yeah. They're very they're very different in their profile in the way that you you definitely have to want a GX or an LX Mm -hmm. because of the way that it drives, whereas this kind of idea of a TX basing it on off of a uh, crossover platform you're going to have that car like drive right so it looks like instead of just doing another RXL they're going to introduce this TX as the model in between mm-hmm. the the RX and yeah it's hard because you have the GX <laughs> yeah well the GX does have sort of a cousin within the Toyota lineup yeah 
it does actually really does mirror it, except that Grand Highlander versus TX. I imagine mm-hmm. the Grand Highlander is going to just basically stretch out the existing Highlander. They're not going to redesign. They're not going to create a brand new look. Will they do that with the TX? Will the TX have a very distinct look as compared to the RX? I think you're I think you're totally right, but I think it will. Lexus has been in the precarious position with the RX where it's been so successful at what it is, but you've also had this subset of people wanting it to be something different. Well, you know, there's obviously was desire for a third row, so they tried to squeeze in a third row, you know. It's pretty much the most successful Lexus model ever, and I don't think that Lexus can really deviate from that formula. So I think that this gives them the opportunity to keep the RX the RX. I think you're right. I think the TX is going to have a slightly different appeal, and I'm sure that it will probably be similar to Toyota where the Venza and the Highlander are cross-shopped or the Venza and the RAV4 are cross-shopped and the Highlander and the Forerunner are cross-shopped. You know, if you're going to have in-house competition, you may as well make them a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, outwardly in, in the competitive sense, if you have the RX and the TX and they're sort of similar, but also a bit different in personality and visual appeal, it kind of gives you a two-prong approach to the segment. The way that Lexus has always designed their vehicles is the RX and the NX together. You have the GX and the LX together. Mm -hmm. And I can really see this TX being sort of a bridge between those. Maybe, and and in that way, I mean, I would imagine it's going to be built on a crossover platform and yet probably will carry over some of the appearance of the GX and the LX in terms of its more... Uh, I always hate to use the word masculine to describe anything, but maybe just a little bit more of an aggressive look. And then they can, they could potentially dial that back on the RX. I feel like the RX has, well, like you said, like it's a, it's a special vehicle in terms mm-hmm. of its position as a Lexus, obviously the most popular, the best selling of all time. So I have to think that they really do want to get away from this confusion that they've introduced with this third row. Or potentially they could keep the third row, but similar in in the way of a Highlander. They could do that. I don't see Mm -hmm. them doing that. But if people do like it just for the extra space, I'm wondering if the RXL and the Highlander, they're probably pretty similar in size. I think so. Um, I think the Highlander does still have a little bit more room. And I think part of that's probably because the Highlander is now on TNGAK and the RX is still on the older platform. Right. Okay, so we've got this idea of a TX. And we're just going to let it play out here. What do you think the competitors of of a vehicle like this is going to be? I think it'll be interesting to see what is delivered. You know, when we originally were looking at the trademarks for RX 350 and 500H and TX 350 and 500H, I have mixed emotions on this. I don't know when it's going to come. I think it might even be possible that if it's being built in Indiana, kind of in tandem with the Highlander, I think it's possible that it could come with the 3.5 liter V6. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Um, yes. But I think it, I mean, it, it could also come with the new turbocharged four cylinder that we know is about to come. Right. But I think it just depends probably on what it weighs and how it drives and the packaging and things like that. So I think it probably, you know, this probably gives Lexus a much better, sharper entrant against like the GLE and the X5, Mm. but also, you know, the MDX and the Infiniti QX60 and a couple of the others. Right. Like I have to say that Lexus has, like I mentioned before, they've really left this segment wide open. And I think they've given up a lot of ground here to the MDX and the QX60. Right. 
And if you look at the state of the Infinity brand and you look at the state of the Acura brand, part of me really hopes I'm wrong because I think that having more Japanese luxury brands is a good thing. But if this comes out as a TX and it's three rows and it's the family friendly crossover that they've been missing forever, I think that this thing could put a real hurt on Acura and Infinity. Well, it's the only things that they really have, right? That's it. Yeah, that's this is their major vehicle, both brands. Right. So, I mean, Infinity, like the QX60 is far and away, I think, what's keeping the whole brand afloat. And Acura, at least, still has the RDX. This sounds dramatic, but the TX could be the end for the Infinity brand. And I'm not joking. <laughs> so well, we'll see I mean, what happens. Something's definitely going to end that brand at some point. You have to think back to the way that Lexus introduced the NX. The NX was very late to the game mm -hmm. in terms of the growth of that segment. Yep. And yet they came in and really made a huge impact. And I always liken this to the way that Apple enters markets. They allow it to mature to a point where there's a audience for the vehicle or not the vehicle, but the product, the technology product, and then come in with a very, very strong entry mm -hmm. into that segment and end up dominating. And I mean, that's my feeling with the NX. I think that at the point where it came out to 2014, it came out and like gangbusters was yeah. either the the first or the second best selling compact crossover that was out there and i have to think that they're hoping to replicate that here with the tx but i want to come back to the idea of the tx versus the lx because like i said i can't see them building it in indiana mm -hmm. but how do you differentiate between all these different models like are they really different buyers if you look at it from a three-row perspective, Lexus could have the TX, the GX, and the LX, Yeah, which is a lot. But I, I think that the way that they're put together and packaged is probably going to be a pretty big differentiator because, like you mentioned before, a Highlander drives very different from a GX. And not to say that a TX would just drive like a Highlander, but mm -hmm. I mean, you got you guys have a Highlander and you've driven a GX, so... Yeah, I've mentioned this before, but the GX is really the only vehicle I've ever liked driving in a comfort mode. And I think that that's basically because of that body on frame. Mm -hmm. I find it, the LX and the GX, to just be a little bit too rough, their driving profile. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, they have so much more to them. You're trading off a little bit of that ride quality, a little bit of that ride comfort for all of the other things that go along with that. Yeah. And like I said, that is a very specific buyer. The GX has just been the de facto third row Lexus mm -hmm. for so long. But I imagine, what, 50% of the people that buy a GX would, would gladly trade it in for something that drove more like a Highlander. A lot of times brand loyalty, you know, you want to stay within the specific brand. And yeah. that was really the only option uh, for a usable third row seat. I think you're right on the money. So I have to think that the GX is going to suffer. But then does any SUV and crossover suffer in this market? Like <laughs> really all we're really doing is we're we're replacing the way that the automotive market used to be. You know, you had sedans and coupes and now you have crossovers and SUVs. Yeah. And think about it. At one point they had the ES and the GS. So yeah, like, you know, some overlap works. And I actually had a friend just recently who had an RX 350 and they just had their second child and 
you know, I think you can still get away with a two row vehicle with two kids. But I think when you start adding like another stroller and, you know, you want to go on vacation or something like that. And they went around and they shopped everything. They looked at the XC90. They looked at the VW Atlas. They looked at the Sequoia. They looked at everything. And she really wanted CarPlay. And as you know, the GX doesn't offer CarPlay yet. Right. I mean, and they've had a great experience with Lexus. And she really was like, we can't afford an LX. Like, we're not at that place, but we need this third row. And she actually said the Highlander wasn't big enough. So I talked to her about three weeks ago and they actually bought a GX. <laughs> so, oh yeah, well, I think there you go. you're, yeah. So I think you're exactly right that the GX has occupied this slot as the more attainable natural move up point from the RX. Right. But I think when you, if you put the TX into the equation and people have that option as a move up, I think you're probably like your TX buyer is probably going to be that person who really does need the third row and maybe still has kids, but you know, a little more affluent and want something, you know, nicer. I don't think we're going to necessarily see Lexus build an X5 here. Like, I don't think it's going to be, you know, crazy performance vehicle, but I think it's okay because if Lexus takes the RX formula and stretches it out and visually differentiates it and gives it the third row that everyone's been wanting, it's going to work. But I do think your point about what will happen to the GX is interesting because I think that the part of the reason the LF1 Limitless has not come and not been built yet is that Lexus made a decision to do a third generation GX. Hmm. So exactly for what we're talking about, I don't know if there's room in the Lexus lineup for an RX, a TX, a GX, an LX, or maybe two LXs and also an LF1. So, and I think if you look at it, Lexus has already built up a base of GX buyers and Lexus people have been marveling at this for years now, ever since the 2014 GX refresh, where it's like every month the sales are higher, the sales are higher, the sales are higher. So there, I mean, then there is the GX right now. There's a huge community of forerunner people who want a V8 who go to a GX or people who want an LX but can't afford one who get a GX. So. Lexus has built a loyal following of GX folks. It's growing every year, even at this point, which is crazy. So I think they probably made the decision. Let's do this TX, give people what they want, and let's commit to a third gen GX and capitalize on the interest that's already there. And, you know, when you look also at like the overlanding and the off-road scene, the Mm -hmm. GX is blowing up there. Yes. It's I think they can differentiate them and make it work. And then obviously, you know, the LX is still like $30,000 more expensive. Well, I, I, as you mentioned, like this Overlander, the movement towards this Lexus has really over the last, I don't know, maybe four years done their best to kind of highlight mm-hmm. the capability of the GX. And even I believe it was earlier this year where they started to talk about maybe doing something similar to the TRD Pro. And I think this frees them up to really push the GX in that direction because it doesn't have to be, like we said, the de facto Lexus three row vehicle. It can be become more specialized. When you look at luxury manufacturers and you look at what they're offering, that sort of off-road overlander segment is really underrepresented. For sure. What you have instead are brands like Jeep and Ford and and things like that offering these very premium versions of their existing vehicles. Yeah. So I really do see this as an opportunity for Lexus to kind of come in there. The LX already had that sensibility, you know, you know, shared with the Land Cruiser. And then you have the Forerunner and the GX. So I think that it really does allow them to really pursue that as a, even as a, as a brand direction, because I think it does really fit and is unique in the luxury space. And you remember a couple months ago, I think it was Andrew Gillen made the comment. He referenced the success of the Ford Bronco 
and said something to the effect of like Lexus is planning more off-road centric vehicles. Like there's a market for this type of vehicle we haven't quite tapped into yet. So I think you're perfectly, I think you're totally right. The TX gives them, gives the GX the freedom to go and be what it wants to be without having to necessarily be such a great family hauler. You know, maybe they call it off-road OR, like the GX OR concepts. Yes. I always was saying I wish that they would do something like, you know, F off road or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I think I think the <laughs> F off. Yes, I definitely right. think they should call it F off. So, you know, the, the potentials there. I mean, you could do a GX, you could do an LX and people like I think it would be absolutely huge. I really do. Well, they could even do something similar to an NX. Yep. And well, but they have that RAV4 off road. And then they also have the RAV4 Adventure, which has like a little extra ground clearance and things like that. This is the future of vehicles mm-hmm. is SUVs and crossovers. And for as much as we may like or dislike that, I mean, there is no denying. So Lexus really does need to start thinking about expanding within that and not necessarily abandoning cars, but cars are going to become a very specialized thing. Right. I think it's pretty exciting. This this really could signify a major shift in the in the Lexus crossover SUV lineup. And I mean, speaking of that, we talked a little bit about the new NX, but uh, I don't know that we've actually covered the new NX on the podcast, even though it's been a couple weeks since it leaked. So, yeah, well, the funny thing is, is uh, I was thinking about that leak. And yep. I was thinking about how it all shook out and um, <laughs> you waking up to a bunch of text messages. Yeah, from exactly. Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what happened, I guess, originally is it was a video uh mm-hmm. on i'm not sure i don't think it was youtube it was probably vimeo or, or something like that yeah uh so the company the production company that produced the video for the new next generation nx i guess an intern posted it up on vimeo i, I have no idea but anyway someone found it and posted it up uh, to lexus enthusiast and also club lexus mm-hmm. and we woke up we found it and we were like we gotta, we gotta take this down like this is this is crazy. Like, this is not kosher. By that time, it was too late. We had taken ours down and then uh, I guess people found it on Club Lexus automotive outlets and then it just exploded from there. And I always hate to see something like this because, I mean, there are so many people working so hard to, you know, make a big splash. I think sometimes Lexus can be too secretive, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, something like this is just a total nightmare from every aspect. So once it came out, you know, we did publish something about it. We did publish some screenshots of the video, but we didn't, we haven't talked about it since. Right. I want to say that's definitely been on purpose. Yeah. Because it's just, it's really hard to get a lot from a single video. We know what it's going to look like. We know like what the interior is going to be, but at the same time, there's no real details. And that's a very good point because I think folks know that we have a great working relationship with Lexus and especially the PR team. And when it leaked, you know, we were kind of, we were working with the PR team to say, you know, how can we help? You know, what's going on? What What do you want us to do? And the response was, you know, the best parts of this car you guys haven't even seen yet. So it yes. is what it is. And, you know, exactly what you're saying, you know, we may have seen the inside and the outside. And as exciting as that is, they were very excited about the parts we haven't even seen yet. So I'm pumped. Well, yeah, because we, we got to think there's going to be new powertrains. There's mm-hmm. it's almost guaranteed that it's going to be the first Lexus plug in hybrid. You have these different things that are going to all accompany this model. But, you know, from what we've seen, it's really smoothed out a lot of those rougher edges of the NX. It still resembles the model, but it has a much more modern take 
Lexus is really, really settling into their own identity and every car that's been coming out the last couple years looks good. I mean, some of the weirdness of, you know, the spindle grille has been toned down and refined and the headlights are coming back together in one shape that's still very dynamic and interesting looking. And but then again, on the back, you know, they took some chances and, you know, they have that bar that goes horizontal across. So I thought it was really good looking. I mean, I also think that the current NX is one of the best looking products they've ever had. I love it. The inside could use some updating, which it's obviously getting. But I thought that the new one was really nice. I mean, it's it's more mature. It's a little more upscale. And uh, the interior was nice, too. I know a lot of people had a lot of opinions about the screen and the dashboard. Mm. I didn't I don't think that the leaks from that video were necessarily high res enough to make a lot of calls about it. The screen's huge. Yeah, you can't really see much. It's really hard because Lexus committed for so long to this idea of the of the remote touch and, and the remote touch, whether you like it or dislike it, there's no denying that it took up a lot of room in the interior and removing that I feel has really freed up a lot of the extra space and allows them to be a little bit more simple. No, I, I agree with you. And, you know, there was some detailing on certain things we saw, like the handles on the inside of the interior and the material on the doors. So I think, you know, once again, Lexus is really settling into their own identity and design is looking good. And I think they're back to getting those details right. When you look at how quickly Toyota products came out, you know, at TNGA, it was like you had Camry, you had Avalon, you had Corolla, like bam, bam, bam. I think that Lexus is about to do the same thing. So seeing some of that stuff on this new NX, I think makes me feel like it's going to quickly follow on the RX and the LX and the TX. Like, I think that probably three years from now, we're going to be like, oh, the LX was or the NX really wasn't all that crazy. <laughs> but yeah. like for now, for now, yeah. it looks like it is. Absolutely. I believe that the next two to three years, well, they've already said that, right? 20 by 2025. You're talking about a lot of turnover in the, in the lineup and very similar to when they introduced the spindle grill, when you had that era where mm -hmm. they were releasing in like three or four or five vehicles every year. It was pretty wild. So I, I have a feeling that they're on track to be doing the same thing. I think so too. Yeah, so, so far we've talked about the TX, we've talked about the NX, the GX, we talked quite a bit about, and that's pretty funny considering um, what's happened in your life this weekend, Michael. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a week into GX460 ownership, and it's a little crazy. It wasn't really planned, actually. But I love it. Uh, I, I mean, it's I wish I had made this move earlier. I have owned a couple of forerunners and right now specifically, it's very it's kind of like a bubble right now. But used forerunner prices are through the roof. And for some reason, there's not a chip shortage or anything I, like nobody quite has the answer for it. But Toyota's just not building a lot of forerunners right now, especially mm -hmm. limited forerunners, which is what I had. So I had a couple friends who had them and I belonged to a couple of forerunner communities and people were like, trade-in values are absolutely crazy. I had a friend who also went in to trade and she got like an incredible offer on hers. So I contacted my Toyota dealer who I, you know, I know you guys know my dad works for Toyota and cause they, they always shoot me straight. There's no, we have a good relationship. And I said, you know, should I trade in my forerunner right now with values being as high as they are? So he was like, yes, absolutely. Bring it in. Let's trade it in. And I was like, okay, well, if we do that, I would just want to get the same combination black limited with the brown interior. He's like, well, that would be the problem because <laughs> well, I'd, well, I'd love to take in your car. I don't have another one to give you cause there are none around. And I mean, this is very similar to what you did previously with your first forerunner. Yeah, look, that's the nice thing about buying Toyota and Lexus SUVs is they hold their value like crazy. So it's you, you kind of always win. So anyway, 
that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. So I started doing some research. I kind of came to the point of if I'm going to get rid of this car and get a new one, I don't know that I want a third, fifth generation Forerunner the same way. So out of curiosity, I was like, you know, maybe I should go test drive a GX. And disclaimer, we had a GX 460 in our family actually in 2010 when they came out and it just was recently traded in for an RX 450H. So like I've driven GX a couple times, but I guess in the back of my head, I kind of felt like, you know, the GX is probably like a forerunner with a little bit more sound insulation and things like that. How wrong I was. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately for me, as soon as I drove one, it was pretty much game over. And <laughs> so I went to one of the dealers here in Atlanta and there, so there's not a shortage of GXs right now. Uh, but prices are pretty solid. And what I was able to find out through some friends is that there is a shortage of some competing vehicles, like specifically uh, like Yukons and Tahoes, I guess. There's not yep. many of them around. Mm -hmm. So because there's not a shortage of GXs, Lexus is able to conquest a lot of those people looking for like full size to large SUVs yeah. into GXs. So anyway, the dealer that I first went to had a couple of them on the lot, but I didn't love the color combinations. Right. It was like it was atomic silver. And, yeah. But it was like, what was the interior? It was sepia. And oh, yeah, yeah. I actually thought I did love that color combination. <laughs> and part yeah. of it, part of my decision to go with atomic was talking about the it going away on the ES in the last podcast. So right, absolutely. I like all of us love that color. And if it's going away, I want to own I want to own an atomic silver Lexus before they're gone. <laughs> yeah. And so, also you wanted to own a V8 as well, right? It's that's totally true. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've in the back of my head, like I've kind of been kind of thinking, do I want it? You know, I can't afford an LX. I really can't afford a Land Cruiser, but I want to have something that's a V8 before they're gone. I didn't necessarily put it all together until I drove it. But the GX was all of those things. And those of you who shopped for a GX recently know that they kind of changed the package structure a little bit. So there's the base GX, the middle is the premium and the top is the luxury. And what I really wanted was a premium, but with the premium plus package, which gives you basically Mark Levinson. There's a couple other features okay. that I honestly don't care about, but I just wanted mm -hmm. Levinson. If I'm buying a Lexus, I want a Levinson. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but that package is in really, really short supply and they don't build very many of them. So the first dealer that I went to, they had mostly white GXs and I either wanted black or atomic silver and just the packages weren't quite right. Mm-hmm. And so I went there first and that was where I was like, oh, wow, like I really like this thing. And and I got to say, those of you who have driven a 4Runner and a GX, there's nothing wrong with a Toyota 4Runner. But when you drive a GX and you drive a 4Runner, <laughs> driving a 4Runner feels like a tractor <laughs> compared yeah, to a GX. Well. And I didn't know it was going to be like that. I mean, just like we were talking about before, there's there's a real substance and solidity to Toyota and Lexus body on frame SUVs. And like you said, you know, you do give up some ride quality. But I've always thought that, like I said before, that the GX was just going to be like the 4Runner, but a little bit nicer. But when you drive it and you really experience it, I mean, it feels like twice as much car, not like $10,000 more. It's air suspension, right? Like, <laughs> yes. So I yeah. did get I did get the luxury. <laughs> I actually didn't want the luxury model. I really did want to try to go for the premium plus package. But the dealer I ended up buying from Butler Lexus of South Atlanta, who's awesome. Basically, we came to a point where it was like the color combination I wanted just wasn't in stock anywhere else in a premium plus. So yeah. we looked at like black on black. We looked at atomic on black. We looked at black on sepia. 
and uh, they had this atomic silver luxury model with black interior on the lot. And pretty much I was just like, I don't necessarily want the luxury because I don't I don't need the air suspension and some of the other things. But I really do want Levinson. And uh, they yeah. were able to work with me and they gave awesome. me an incredible trade in value for my forerunner, which was what triggered this whole thing in the first place. Yeah. So 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 it did end up being true. The forerunner was able to deliver what you needed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. And um, mm-hmm. I traded in my Forerunner for $800 less than I paid for it to a year and a half ago. <laughs> so um, <laughs> oh again, my people, Lord. You, you can't go wrong with Toyota <laughs> SUV resale. So, um, you know, being able to have that much up on the trade in and then, you know, them working with me on the luxury, it just it worked out perfectly. And, you know, I wish it wasn't still coronavirus. I wish I still had I wish I had somewhere to drive because I've had it for a week now and it only has like 130 miles on it. But um <laughs> <laughs> I just I love it. I absolutely love it. And the couple of people who've seen it, you know, have been like, oh, I can't believe you bought a car that doesn't have CarPlay. Well, my Forerunner didn't have CarPlay either. And I know everyone yeah. loves CarPlay, but it's not really that big of a deal to me. I'm more of a person who likes to listen to music in the car. So yeah. that's why I bought a vehicle with Mark Levinson. So as long as yeah. it plays music, I don't want to talk to or text anybody else while I'm in the car. I want to be in the zone. Right. And it's just it's it's really it's really turned out to be everything I wanted in one package. And I didn't even know that like going into it. So the V8, the the interior quality, and it's so quiet and it's so smooth. Well, we were texting about it. And yeah. uh, one of the things I thought was really interesting was how you likened it to the LS. You owned an LS. Yeah. The way that you likened it to it being an LS and a Forerunner combined. It is. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. One of my friends actually said that last night when he came over, he was like, this is like your LS and your forerunner, but in one car. And I was like, it totally is. It really is. <laughs> one of the things that I thought would be really interesting would be to, to go back and kind of discuss the, the Lexuses that we've owned because yeah. you, you've owned that LS, you had a GS, you also had an IS. So this is yep. your fourth. Yeah. But uh, why don't you just talk us through? Uh, yeah. So I think it was the first podcast that we did together. I mentioned to you guys that my favorite Lexus in the car that made me love Lexus was the second generation GS. So my whole life, you know, growing up as a kid and then driving, my goal was always to own a GS. And I really wanted a GS 430, but I have like, I guess I have a thing for kind of like rare combinations or special editions. So at some point in like 2009, I was able to locally find a 2003 three gs 300 sport design hmm. and it was black exterior but it had the saddle interior and at that time that was like like the those lexus models and the ls had a saddle option too but mm-hmm. those lexus models with the saddle interior were like impossible so i found one and it was in great shape i think it only had like 60 something thousand miles on it when i got it so i, I my first lexus was a gs 300 sport design and i drove that car for like five or six years and unfortunately what happened is i live in atlanta and the streets in this city are just beat to hell i think like they are a lot of other places unfortunately yeah and um i was having a hard time getting the car aligned and i think it had like 115 or 120 thousand miles on it at this point did you have like aftermarket rims or did you have it lowered or anything the only thing that it had was so the GS 300s had like smaller 16 inch wheels and I mm-hmm. did buy the larger GS 430 17 inch wheels. So oh, okay. that was it. But it wasn't really yeah. a big change. 
so that I actually knew the guy who was a master technician and he was like, I got to tell you, because you drive on the streets in the city, kind of the rear subframe of your suspension is just bent. And, and he oh was like, it's, yeah. And, and it like, of course, for me, that's the most heartbreaking moment because yeah. I love this car. And yes, I could have fixed it. I could have paid to fix it. But also I was at that time, I was commuting like 75 miles a day. And yeah as amazing as the two Jay-Z is not amazing with gas mileage. No, so definitely a downfall. Right. So they did as much as they could. We pretty much got the car, you know, they, they were able to do some work and get things straightened back out. But for me, it, it was kind of a tough moment because it just, it really was a point where I was like, this isn't going to be the right car for me to own going forward because I was commuting mm-hmm. so much. So I ended up selling it and I sold it to a guy who, you know, he flew down here from New Jersey and he loved it and was super excited to have it. So I'm glad it went to somebody. That's nice. Yeah, I'm glad it went to somebody who appreciated it. I wonder if the roads are any better in New Jersey. (laughs) Highly doubtful. (laughs) Yeah. But then you went from that to you had a Toyota. Yeah. And then you you went on a search. Yeah. When was that? That was 2000. Yeah. So it was like two. This started in like 2000. 16 or so yeah this is when there were a lot of rumors that the forerunner was dead and the in to- the toyota was going to kill the forerunner and i know that there's always been the rumors and it's hard you know looking back at the way it is now and the story i just told it's hard to think they would ever cancel the forerunner but i had a forerunner uh that i had just gotten it was a 2016 and at that time the relationship i was in we were on the road all the time like every weekend yeah and we were running up the mileage on my forerunner pretty quickly and i was like if toyota is going to discontinue these things i don't want to be like burning this car up on the highway <laughs> so i hatched a plan to buy an ls430 <laughs> oh my gosh that was the funnest yeah you were very kevin was quite a support for me during this time <laughs> but <laughs> doesn't love an ls like if you're a lexus enthusiast you love the ls that is what it is yeah so i was like i think i want to get one of the i want to get an ls i want to find a nice one with low mileage and this can be like the highway road trip car so was it ls 430 yep it was it was a 2006 ls 430 yeah pretty pretty hard to beat a late model ls it's hard to find low mileage ls's i think in general because people know that they're such reliable cars that they buy them and then kind of like run them into the ground so kevin i probably was just driving him crazy but i was finding different ones on auto trader being like what do you think about this what do you think about that and there was part of me that was like you know maybe i should get a more classic combination like black on black or some or white on tan like the classic ls combination but then I found this one. <laughs> I found this one car. I found this one car, and it was—I don't know what the color was called, but it was like the purple that they offered yes. on LSs at that generation. <laughs> and once again, me having a knack for like weird color combinations in special editions. I, it was a super clean though. Remember, like it, it was yeah. low mileage oh, and it was, it was clean, and yeah. it had the sports package. Color aside, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember because look, you you kind of like a crazy color too sometimes, but oh, you yeah. were like you were like that is a no, like oh, that's absolutely. No. <laughs> but I was I was literally like I might do it, like I might do it, and um, but the best part it we was, haven't even yeah. got to the punchline yet. The punchline is I live in Georgia, obviously, and it was in Ohio, I think, and I was like <laughs> I was like twenty four hours from booking a flight. I was yeah, literally like twenty four hours. Way. Yeah, to go out there and drive it back. Yeah. And you obviously very realistically were like, I just don't know if you're making the right decision. <laughs> like, you know, you're being a little bit uh, obsessive and reckless. And I think that you should just sit on it for a minute. Yeah. 
And sure enough, thank gosh. Yeah, yeah, sure enough. um, Actually, uh, one of our local Lexus dealers here in Atlanta took in what was ended up being my car. And it was like a 2006 LS430 with the 18 inch wheels, the Levinson and the navigation upgrade package. And it only had I think it had 62,000 miles on it. Yeah, it wasn't much. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like over 10 years. Somebody only put that much mileage on it. So I ended up buying that one and it was a great car. Actually, I loved it. That was kind of when I was, you know, I was using it basically as like my daily driver to keep miles off my foreigner. Mm-hmm. And then for me, like living in the city, there's just not a lot of parking space. So honestly, having two cars wasn't the most efficient way for me to live. <laughs> yeah. So I had it for, I guess I had it for about two years and you know, once again, like strong Toyota Lexus resale value, I was able to sell it basically for what I paid for it, which was great. It got a ding, didn't it? In uh, in a parking lot? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I, I think that was the end of it. It was. Yeah, I'm a perfectionist about things like that. So that was that. And then, so that was the GS. I had the LS. And then when I met my boyfriend, Jackson, he has an IS350. So of course, when you're in the dating pool and you're meeting someone, like the first question I have to ask is like, what do you drive? And he's yeah. like, I have an IS350 F Sport. And I was like, great, you're in. Hey, so, right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he we had the IS350 F Sport for two years. And then we traded that in and got a 2021 Camry XSE V6. Right. In February, I think it was. That's a lot of car. Yeah, it was. And I mean, he definitely had some pause about going from a Lexus to a Toyota. That's fair. The refreshed IS had come out and he kind of was feeling like if there's not a new engine option, it's going to be hard for me to stick with an IS. And at that point, the Camry also, I mean, the Camry, it's a lot of car for the price. We went, we traded in the IS, got a Camry XS EV6 that we love. And then now last minute, I decided to trade in my 4Runner for a GX. So the GX is lucky number four for our family what about you though you you had an ls that's like yeah, the one of the things LS, we have in common that's the ls well i bought a 94 ls in 2006 it was the first car i ever bought mm-hmm. i think i paid twelve thousand dollars for it and it's really what started everything i had always wanted an ls in 2006 was not in a position to buy what i really wanted was which was a an ls 430 which remains probably my favorite Lexus of all time, but I definitely wanted a flagship car. You know, that first car that you buy tends not to be the smartest play. I really probably should have bought a Corolla at that point in my life but Mm -hmm. I did not. So when I bought it, there was something wrong with the way the the muffler joined. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to kind of get there and and fix it. So that was when I first started to go on Club Lexus. Yeah. You know, regularly. I had always been on there before, but it was a very aspirational thing back then for me to own a Lexus. I obviously was a Lexus enthusiast well beyond that time. And it was just like I had finally kind of joined the club that I had wanted to be part of and and I started to follow it and I noticed like that there was a real opportunity to to start a website like the like Lexus Enthusiast. I had decided at that point that I was going to start this daily Lexus news website and the ownership really validated that. I really felt like I was part of this the Lexus club. Mm-hmm. I started the site right when the LS600 HL was released. Yeah. And the the ISF was just kind of coming out. Really exciting times and I had that LS until 2014. But the interesting thing was is around 2011, 2010, 2011, I really stopped driving the LS and started driving press cars mm, ex- almost yeah. exclusively. I had a GS. I went a full year with the new 2013 GS350. So I was driving that. I had a GS450H. 
What was your favorite Lexus press car? The LS 600 HL. Oh man, I don't blame you. ISF was a major one, but the LS 600 HL was major. My wife and I went on a big trip with it. We drove it up to Ottawa, Montreal. And Mm -hmm. so I went through this huge thing with uh, press cars and I was, you know, just swapping them out one after the other. And then by about 2014, I just wanted to kind of own a Lexus. I wanted to have the ownership experience, which is something that I write about, but had never actually done, never owned brand new Lexus. So we ended up buying a a CT200H and I loved that car. It was just really the perfect vehicle. And my, my daughter had just been born and she fit perfectly into the little back. And we had that, it was a lease. And then I swapped that out then for IS300 all wheel drive in 2017. And that's right. I mean, I've, I've written about these cars on, on the site and everything, but the IS 300 was never a great fit. Uh, That detuned uh, 3.5 liter was a little clunky. Mm -hmm. The size wasn't right for us. What I really should have done was waited for the NX refresh. Yeah. Uh, I really should have. The IS was also the first car that I had ever been in an accident in. And that was really weird. Oh my gosh. I remember that day. Yeah. That was really weird for me. That was really tough. I got pretty worked up over that, Mm -hmm. even though it was a, you know, a minor collision. It had been the first time I'd ever been hit by another car. And that really changed my feeling. I I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was like post-traumatic stress. I hate to say that, but I don't know what exactly what it was, a bad association, but I never really felt the same way about it. And also 2019, 2018 was not, wasn't great times in terms Mm -hmm. of running a a Lexus website. For sure. So when it came time to to bring back the IS, uh, like you mentioned, I I ended up buying a a Highlander instead of uh, buying another Lexus. It felt like the right decision. We needed the extra space, you know, to bring it back to what we were talking about earlier. It's not that we need the third row, but we need the space that the third row provides. Yeah, we ended up buying this uh, this Highlander and absolutely love it. But mm-hmm. it does not, by any stretch, fill that gap in my life. But I'm definitely feeling that gap now. Of not having a Lexus. Yeah, so basically now, when I own that LS originally, as I said, I should have bought something more practical. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, 14, 15 years later, I'm thinking to myself, like, I'd really, really like to own another LS, but not as a primary car. I, my wife and I, we really love to drive. We, mm-hmm. we love a road trip. And so I really want to have a car that's more in tune with that and something that I can have for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I was looking at an LS 430, like I said, my favorite all-time Lexus, but I feel like it, it might be a little bit too old now. And so now I'm looking at late 2000s LS 460, probably. Yeah. I did find an LS 600 HL with really low kilometers, Ooh. but I'm worried that it's just a little too big. And I worry about the level of tech on that car. Uh, I don't necessarily think that something's going to go wrong with it. Right. I just don't know what it would be like to own a car with laden with so much technology. Even though it's a Lexus, it does feel a little bit like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't be afraid. And I know that if I bought one, I'd be able to resell it for what I paid for it. But I do feel like an LS 460 is just better in tune with, with what I want. I think this, the, the standard wheelbase. So yeah, I've been looking. I definitely am looking. Have you looked at an LS? Would you get like the, the pre 2014 when they put the spindle on it? Or would you get yeah. like the 2014 to what was it? 2017? No, I would get, I would get pre spindle. I love, I love the early LS 460s. And I kind of mm-hmm. feel like that was like the last of that classic Lexus look of um, yeah. like no spindle, 
That whole Generation LS, I think, in terms of proportions and lines, is like the perfect looking sedan. I've always thought mm-hmm. that. Um, they're just beautiful. And I remember when they first came out, they were gorgeous and dynamic, but still very substantial looking. So that that first run of LSs from what was it, 2000, 2007 to 13? That's like such a classic LS to me, but I have to say the 2014 to 17 with the F Sport package, I actually think still to this day is probably one of the best looking Lexus spindle front ends they've ever done. And I it's specific to the F Sport because the front of that 2014 up just it, they was like perfect they did it really well but i wouldn't ne- like this is just me i would never buy an ls that didn't have like an ls interior with like wood grain and leather and things like yeah, that absolutely. and you can't get that on the f sport yeah it was all with that it was that pattern it was like a an l pattern silver but yeah i i would imagine that at some point i'm going to stumble across there i actually saw one that was white and tan it was about an hour and a half away i was thinking about mm-hmm. maybe going for a test drive of that but mostly just to set my expectations in terms of is this really the car that i want yep. you know as a third car to i can wait I don't have to be in a rush other than the fact that I'm just kind of in that spot where I'm like, okay, well, this has been fun. This has been practical, but now mm-hmm. it's time to, to have a Lexus again. So, <laughs> but it definitely, I would imagine within the next year or so, I'll stumble across the one that I want. Yeah. I I do share your, your feeling about like some classic colors, but I don't really have anything set in stone in terms of the color that I'm looking for. I might be interested in a black. Mm-hmm. We had a, uh, back in, um, when I had the LS, my wife had a, uh, a Mercedes, uh, C230 mm-hmm. and it was black and it was the first black car that I'd ever owned. And I swore, I swore I would never <laughs> own another black car. But, you know, as you get older, you think, well, if I'm not driving it every day, the wear and tear on a black car, you know, can be managed. The only issue, and I, the biggest issue that I have is our driveway is gravel. Mm-hmm. And in the summer, you can't drive up it without without a dust cloud. There's nothing that kills the vibe of a black car more than a very thin layer of dust. So, Well, here in the South, we basically have the same thing. It's just called pollen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I feel you. Yeah, I get it. But yeah, no, that's awesome. Trip down memory lane for both of us here. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. From both of our, the cars we've owned, (laughs) the car I bought, (laughs) the car you're looking for, and even, uh, you know, the NX and the RX and the TX and the GX, we've covered a lot of ground like usual. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for joining us on this episode. It's been a lot of fun. As always, you can join in on the conversation on the Lexus Enthusiast Forum. So we'll be back in another two weeks and we'll chat with you guys then. Take care. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Bye.